Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Blog Talk Radio. Hey guys, welcome to the Steel Wars Call-In Show. I am a comedian, Steel Saunders, and I do love Star Wars. And today we're going to be talking Rogue One with Anthony Brittenkin from Entertainment Weekly. Uh, he, we just had a weird thing with Blog Talk where the episode didn't start. So I'm waiting for Anthony to re-sign in. And that should take about a couple of seconds. And I'm just typing to him. Um, bug happened. Yes, it is uh, Friday morning in Australia. It is Thursday night in the uh, Northern Hemisphere. I hope everyone's having a great time. So we should have Anthony on any moment now. But uh, let, let's see who, in the meantime, who we have got on the lines. And then the chat room is now open. Uh, 614, who am I talking to and where are you from? Hello? Hello, yes, that is you. You really scared me that absolutely nothing was working today. So uh, a, a wacky prank, and I appreciate that. Uh, who, who is it? Hey, Steele, this is King Tom. How are you? King Tom. Where are you calling from, Tom? I'm, I'm calling from Ohio. Tom from Ohio. What's going on? Are you calling in to uh, talk to the Brez, who's going to be with us well, I, I soon? Well, I was calling in to talk with the Brez and you, and I have your name written on my hand this week, so I don't call you by the wrong name. <laughs> Very good. Well, I've got the brands on the other side, so I'll just put you on hold and uh, you'll be okay. our first call, mate. Anthony Bresnikan, we're going to have to do some podcast reshoots with that bumpy start. How are you doing, buddy? Why can't I hear Anthony? How about now? Anthony, yes. What a. Uh, I was just here really about to cry. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing all right. We haven't spoken since the Force of the Force Awakens. Rogue One came out. Old habits die hard. I'm not used to multiple Star Wars films coming out in the same decade. It's quite intense. Um, how was uh, your time at the premiere? It was terrific. I had a, a blast, and it was uh, a pleasure to see that the film worked out so well. In my screening... Uh, which was chock full of fans. We sort of did a big podcast event with a, uh, a fan club, Starwalking Inc. in Australia. There was one of my favorite parts was the way the air was sucked out of the room when uh, inverted commas Peter Cushing turned around. How was that met at the actual premiere? 
the Peter Cushing uh, recreation, the resurrection. Uh, yeah. Met with cheers. I think it was met with cheers. There was a fair amount of skepticism about it after in the post screening analysis. But the first time you see the back of Tarkin looking out that window and then you see his reflection in the glass, there were big cheers in the premiere audience. Um, and I have to say, after I saw the movie the first time, I was a little mixed on how Tarkin and, and uh, another character I won't mention, uh, I don't know what your spoiler policy is at the moment. Oh, uh, no. Show, if, but, uh, if, if anyone's listening to a live call-in show like a week after a Star Wars film came out and they don't expect <laughs> things to be spoiled, then the well, anyway, has again disappointed you. Well, I, I, I had a little bit of skepticism about it, and then I saw it again with my uh, daughter, and I was actually very impressed the second time. I think sometimes knowing that something is in effect leads you to see the seams and the edges and the craft work that went into it. And uh, having watched A New Hope again after seeing Rogue One and seeing Peter Cushing in the flesh perform this character, I thought they did a pretty damn good job capturing the redness around his eyes, the, the texture of his skin. That's hard to pull off. There may be a little bit of, I don't know, there may be a little bit of roughness still around this, but it's a leap forward in terms of this technology, and I think that's an important thing. And I turned to my kid, who's seven years old, you know, when when he was on screen and said, do you know that's not a real person? And she looked at me like I was crazy. So um, how did that was a real <laughs> dude. So that was... Uh, that was all right. I think they I think they pulled off something worth applauding there. They're getting a lot of uh hassle over. What did you think about it? I like obviously it's not there's something about it that's strange, but I think it's amazing. I don't know, I, I find it interesting doing all these interviews and stuff that how what what people choose to nitpick about Star Wars and not. I, I find that kind of part of the fun that you know, like like Jason Ward saw Guerrero not having blue eyes. That that was re- like for some reason to him, like that was just something that bugged him. So I I, I like talking to people and finding out those things. Oh yeah, I can let that go, but this no way. But I I just give it a pass. It, it's such a amazing technological achievement, and it's pretty good. And like you said, I I too have spoken to people that were like. Oh, really? Not real. That was I didn't get called crazy. I I, I guess um the people I talked to are not as abusive as your daughter, but you know, <laughs> an incredible thing. And and when he turned around and, and you could hear people like around like swear to themselves and it was just like out of just pure shock that Peter Cushing was back up there talking, which I, I just think it's and, and quite a um, like he's got such a commanding role in the film. Like he's still got his acting chops. He does. I, uh, I, I think the actor, the actor who performed him through, I guess it's sort of a blend of performance capture and and digital effects, did a pretty good job bringing him to life. And, and Lucasfilm have said that in January we're going to get some. Uh, some sweet background information and all that. They're giving us the Christmas to um, believe uh, 
a boy could fly or a, an old man <laughs> could steal a Death Star from Mendo, which is just really mean. Poor Mendo. Give him back the... Uh, <laughs> Giving back the Death Star. Have you had? We, we are huge fans of Ben Mendelsohn uh, on the show, and uh, I, I've sort of watched him, you know, come up in uh, the like Australian movie scene, mm-hmm. you know, since I was a little kid. Have you had many interactions with the great man Mendo? He goes by he goes by Mendo. Is that his nickname? Well, in Australia, we like to shorten everything. That's how you got to be the Brez, mate. So oh, I see. I was, I wasn't sure if that was like his self, you know, chosen nickname. But yes, I, you know, I'll tell you, I've had a number of encounters with, uh, with, uh, with Ben Mendelsohn, and the first one, I mean, I've seen him in a lot of things, and I think he's a spectacular actor, uh, but. He, the first in-person encounter I had with him was my wife and I took our seats at the Force Awakens premiere. And then Ben Mendelssohn and his wife take the seats beside us. And I was kind of like, is that, is that guy look like Ben Mendelssohn or is that actual Ben Mendelssohn? Because at that point, I think he had been rumored as a part of Rogue One, but uh, I can't remember now whether he was confirmed. Maybe he was, but in any case, I knew that he was, potentially involved with Rogue One and uh, all through The Force Awakens, man, that dude was up out of his seat shouting and like having a blast. Like at the end, he was he was like really emotional, not not crying, but just sort of like worked up and excited. And 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 we were all sort of like, you know, geeking out together, everybody in our row. And uh, it was I could, it was a lot of fun to see that somebody who was playing a major role in an upcoming Star Wars film just enjoying the hell out of what was happening with this franchise as it, as it sort of left the gate. And then, yeah. you know, I've gotten, I got a chance to talk with him at Star Wars Celebration and then on the phone a couple times. And then I got to sit down with him in September when I was on the set of Ready Player One, which is the Steven Spielberg movie that's coming out in a... I did a little over a year. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he was, he's an interesting guy. It's funny because like people love him. The, The other actors on a set always seem to love him. Like all the other actors he's worked with think he's a blast. I guess he's just a really generous actor. And, you know, sometimes actors can really hate each other, especially if they're working together a lot. And uh, there can be a competitiveness and a rivalry, but uh, people seem to really like him. And all the kids on Ready Player One liked him. Like the little, there were young kids, maybe eight, nine years old, who play some of the gamers. And they were always coming around. And he was really nice to them, even though he always was like chasing them out of his his trailer because he's smoking and he doesn't want to smoke around the kids. So kids would come around and he would immediately be like, okay, step outside and snuff out this cigarette. You know, I thought that was actually a really nice thing to do. Although you shouldn't smoke, Ben, it's bad for your health, but he's a really cool guy and a lot of fun. And he's super into games and he's super into, into geek culture. So I can't think of a better guy for this role because he really loves it. Yeah, he is, uh, my heart is a flutter. I I am a little bit sad that he didn't get to um, measure the power of the Death Star in the Mm -hmm. actual film. He seemed very enthusiastic about measuring power in the trailer. So uh, it was a little bit disappointing. But what is your take? I I have to say, whilst 
I can uh, let Grand Moff Tarkin go. That, and I understand that they, there's a lot of reshoots and, and there's a business to make this movie, but I I don't know. The, the having these major shots in the trailer and then not appear in the film, what mm-hmm. I I don't know. I just it just irks me. Can I don't know the way the the movie industry works. Can they not just decide we're definitely putting this in? We'll put it in the trailer. These films are edited and changed a lot during that process. I can't. I I'm with you. I don't think it's a great idea to put things in the trailer that aren't in the finished movie. That happened a lot on the Force Awakens too, and and I don't know what I don't know what motivates that. I guess it's just. No, they don't want to be locked into something if they're going to change it. Uh, if they feel like it's not perfect for the finished film, even, even though they put it in the trailer. Um, with the case of Rogue One, there were significant reshoots. So, you know, I think they changed that finale in in a dramatic way and changed the action quite a bit. So I think uh, in that case... Uh, yeah, they thought the movie was going to be one thing, and then they had to change course halfway through. So there was a bit of uh, mixing it up, but yeah, I do feel like that's frustrating for an audience, especially if there's a shot you really love. Like, I love the shot of Jyn Erso facing down the TIE fighter, and I really wanted to see that in the movie. I wanted to see what happened, but oh well. Maybe we'll see a deleted scene. I would love to. I'll tell you what. Even if it didn't work, I want to see, I would love to see the Rogue One cut that they decided to, you know, make changes on. I would love to see the April cut of the movie just to see what happens. Yeah. I I don't have hopes for that. Much like getting the George Lucas outline of the force awakens released. I, I think maybe wisely. So they don't want fans to compare the two things and, um, Maybe may think what is uh, you know one is better than the other. I know like filmmakers like Quentin Tarantino don't like to release any bonus or edited out footage because they don't want to be second guessed. So yeah, but I would. I am going to hold out. This is my dream for 2017. Bresnikan is Entertainment Weekly tweet. Anthony Bresnikan reveals who was in the TIE Fighter. That's that's your scoop <laughs> for the next couple of years, buddy. It's, I have to know who was in that. I'll work on it. I'll work on it. I'd love right, to find out. Polls, um, for people that want to talk some wars, uh, if you've got questions, you can call in. If you're in America, it is 646-668-8360. Not in America, you can add a plus one to that and Skype in, and you can just use your Skype charges. But first up, we have got Tom on the line for Anthony Bresnikan. What's on your mind, Tom? Um, I love the conversation. I'm surprised you took the calls when uh, Brez is talking about Mendo. So thank you for letting me interrupt that. <laughs> well, actually, Tom, I just need I just need a break from talking to fan myself for a little bit. So you're just filling while I compose myself after that close encounter. Like, the handsomeness that was in that row of The Force Awakens premiere, Anthony Bresnikan and Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, <laughs> getting hot How down here, guys. Contain it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I loved Rogue One. I had a few little things, problems here and there with that, but, you know, it felt like, you know, going home again, because that's the type of stuff I used to play with my Kenner action figures going, growing up. You know, I had like 10 Hoth rebel soldiers and a bunch of stormtroopers, and I'd pretend the, the rebel soldiers were trying to steal the Death Star plans, all that other stuff. But my favorite scene in the movie was one that no one or people really haven't been talking about, the conversation between Mon Mothma and Bail Organa. Going after the, the hidden Jedi that they referenced? The, yeah, the hidden Jedi, and when she says, do you trust this person? And we know who he's talking about, and he says he trusts her with her, his wife, and as a father, you know, that... I, I just wanted to see what your guys' uh, impression of that scene was. Even though it was, you know, short and kind of just meant as something for the fans, do you think it was something bigger and that they, it was originally something bigger and they kind of cut back or was that, Hmm. was that it? I just guesswork on my part, but I would say, I thought that was in there just to indicate why Leia would have reached out to Obi-Wan, how she knew about him, how Hmm. the Rebel Rebel Alliance connected to him. I think you needed an Obi-Wan reference and I've been on record saying I think Obi-Wan is a hidden character in the entire new series of Star Wars films that that he may not appear but his influence and his relationship to the rebellion is an important part of this story and this was just another um, way of I, saying here's how it connects you know, I here's think you're about to drop a mean smoke theory then Anthony I, I was I was breaking myself <laughs> oh no I don't think so <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested in Snoke's history, but I don't think Snoke is anybody except Snoke. So you don't think he's Rax from the books? He's what? You don't think he's Rax from the books? No. Aftermath? Okay. I mean, I guess that's a possibility, but uh, well, why... Why the name change? I don't know. Right. I guess I still... And then again, Kylo Ren changed his name, so maybe. And why set it up in a book? Yeah, I I think it's it's just too... I don't know. There's something about that it's too obvious that it it kind of can't be, and and because it is in a book. I'm not sure. It it is strange. Like, obviously, it's left there to be this dangling fruit... You know, I know when the book first came out, I was I was reading online that Snoke's revealed. This is it. It's him. But I don't know. And I also know people that are sort of don't like the character because they think it isn't Snoke, and they it's too much of a like a misdirection of of that because mm. they obviously the way how they don't describe him ever. It is obviously playing on the reader's desperation to know who that um, that holographic enigma, who who he is. Mm-hmm. Anthony, you said you brought your um, seven-year-old daughter to the movie, and you wrote a great article about taking your kids to Rogue One. Uh, what was her reaction to the film? Uh, she loved it, and she really couldn't wait to see Jin Erso, but that's one of the reasons I was nervous about bringing her. So the ending to the film is uh, kind of heartbreaking if you really love that character. Uh, but to my uh, delight, she handled it extremely well. She was just a little scared at a few parts, but... Was there anything she... that you had to 
cover her eyes or take her out for? Uh, I indicated when Mando that died. That was tragic. I, I well, <laughs> you know, when Darth Vader's first appearance in the Bacta tank, I kind of said you might want to look away, and she she did. And then I watched it a second time, and I realized it was one of those situations where, after seeing it the first time, I remembered it as being more grotesque than it actually was. It's much more shrouded in mist. It's sort of like people will swear to you that in Psycho, Norman Bates stabs her in the shower, stabs Marion to death, and you see the knife entering her skin. And they can picture this in their minds. But the truth of that scene is the knife never touches her skin. You never see, I mean, within the story, yes, he kills her, but you never see a knife penetrating flesh. But people swear that they've seen it. You see the knife, it cuts to the knife coming down, you see blood, you see her scream, but you never see her stabbed. And it's sort of that way with this Darth Vader scene is I was remembering sort of scarred, gnarled flesh, and you really only get the shape of this torso. And so I told her to look away. Yeah, I told her to look away, and then I was like, well, that's actually not, that's not too disturbing. So um, the Darth Vader scene, she didn't look away from, she was freaked out by it, but, uh, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't like scarred and I think she handled the the deaths of the major characters pretty well. She was sad, you know, she was sad about K2, especially since he's the only one we really see explicitly die, you know? Yeah. I think that that would be tough for my kids to take, you know, everybody kind of disappears. And, um, yeah, I think that softens it a little bit which is another thing I didn't realize until I saw it the second time. So, you know, and we, we talked sort of about the sacrifice that people make, good guys make, that they don't always walk away in the end. And, um, you know, that's, that's an important thing that stories do for us is they help us face yeah. real life. So that's sort of what I wrote about in my little parents essay. I find most parents yeah, just want to know what they, they just want to know what they're getting into. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it was a great essay, and I'm, you know, I'm, I showed it to my wife because she doesn't think the kids should see it, and I, I go back and forth because I know there are some scenes I'm just gonna like, the K2 dying, the the mind octopus, maybe even the 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 very beginning with the parents dying, that might be tough for my kids. Um, well, I remember being really but, freaked out by Aunt Baru and Uncle Owen, you know, when he comes yeah. back and finds their charred skeletons, and like yeah. I remember being. Freaked yeah. by do you know that. Who, like, do you know who wasn't freaked out by that though? Who? Luke Skywalker. But you kill an old hobo from across the desert, and he is inconsolable. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He did kind of just have a oh shucks look. Yeah, I, but that is, I like. I think if they released a New Hope now. Like, that's the sort of thing that people on the internet would just be like, what is this character development? Pretty much his parents died. Like, it took him, like, five minutes to get over it. Old man dies, and the lady that's just had her entire planet blown up is going, there, 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 there. (laughs) Like, it is, like, it's kind of rad that if, you know, if we analysed it without the child glasses that we have, it'd just be like... Hey, this, this this doesn't match up at all. But that is the beauty of a galaxy far, far away. I've got an, uh, an email in from one of our listeners, the Farouche, and he 
is, uh, he said he really appreciated the parent's guide that you wrote for Rogue One. I, I, I too, I, um, it helped me decide whether to take my cat to the show. I, I couldn't use it for an actual human as yet. But um, where do you see the franchise going, Anthony, in regards to providing age-appropriate content? Because obviously this is a darker film. Deadpool put its toe in the R-rated type uh, films. Uh, so Farouche wants to know, can you see such a huge brand put out big budget material catered to specific age groups only? I'm really interested to see how Lucasfilm can maintain a unified canon while trying to provide content that appeals to everyone. Glad I'm not them. I wouldn't mind being them, but what do you think about yeah. that uh, question, Anthony? I expect that they will stay in the PG-13 realm. I would be even surprised if they went down to PG again. Um, that I think they're they're aware that they have to... I'm not speaking for Lucasfilm. It's just my theory. So I'll say I, I think they're aware that their fan base expects but, but, a certain but, 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 but we should we should preface this. You are the Lucasfilm mouthpiece. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the... <laughs> the uh, I think they're aware that fans expect a certain amount of edge from these movies. Uh, and I think Rogue One pushes that boundary a, a little bit in a good way. And The Force Awakens kind of hits it right in the middle. So I wouldn't expect a huge amount. I would expect the future films to kind of strike in that area. Sort of Guardians of the Galaxy, um, PG-13 type upbeat darkness if that makes sense uh you know like the the marvel movies all, all hit a hit a similar similar zone of uh of of, of uh i guess age appropriate material where they're hitting they're not they're not really uh, they're not really geared for under maybe 10 you know and i think that the, the star wars films are going in that same direction although as a fan i would really love to see them strike out and do some radically different genres, maybe after four or five films, just totally mix it up with these standalones, especially. I mean, like, can you conceive of a Star Wars comedy? Just a straight-up comedy? Uh, I can. I would love to see that. And I would love to see uh, an R if they ever went R-rated. And I don't think they will. But I, w I really would love to see a Star Wars horror film. I think something... You know, there was a, I think, was it a video game that had a character that was this droid that wanted to be human, and so it was assembling sort of human parts from people it killed, and they nixed that from the game because it was just too dark, uh, but I thought that was really scary, and I think some of the Sith mythology, that if you really went for it, uh, you could uh, unlock like a real a horror vibe and go, you know... R-rated, maybe uh, Event Horizon level scares in the Star Wars universe. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm not a big horror movie guy, so I, I, I might, I might need um, you to write a guide to my parents whether I can go to see the horror film version of Star Wars. <laughs> <Anthony>. <laughs> um, what else is on your mind, Tom? For Anthony. No. No, um, that's pretty much it. I, I love the idea of them branching out. I don't, you know, if, if Han Solo is the next Star Wars story, I don't 
other than you know maybe some action or and regular Star Wars violence, I don't think it being that. I don't see it being that bad. But like Anthony said, I think they they definitely should branch out. But I might not go see the horror Star Wars film as much as I would all the others. So that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because for me, Star Wars is like heroes in peril getting saved by someone coming through for them. So that the, the horror movie genre, or hopefully someone does come through with them. And yeah, but after, find out. But after six movies like that, aren't you going to want something different? I'm saying down the road, I think uh, something that really went into like sort of the haunting aspects of the galaxy would be really cool. Hmm. Or, the, or the Lando and Yen Num buddy cop movie. There you go. You have that too. <laughs> I, I would imagine that the, um, as far as comedies go, that the Han Solo film is going to be pretty high on laughs, and maybe uh, it's going to be a competition, perhaps, out of the Han Solo film and Guardians of the Galaxy, to who can make the best Han Solo film. I see that the, the film and the new trailer, and I'm just like, oh man, I hope, I hope that solo film has got that sense of like space fun about it. I do too. Yeah. I, I, it's a good comparison. Yeah, I hope so too. Alrighty, Tom. Thanks so much for okay. calling in as regular. I'll put you back on. Thank hold, you, Steele and Anthony. Okay, yes. thanks. Thank you. If you are new to the Steel Wars podcast, the call-in format is just one type of show on the Steel Wars RSS feed. We also do in-depth interviews. And if you love the work of Anthony Bresnik, can check out episode 114 of the Steel Wars podcast, where we talk to Anthony in-depth for over 90 minutes about dealing with Lucasfilm, leaks, and safety pins, one of our most praised episodes of the year. We also have interviews with the likes of Leonard Moulton, talking about his legendary interviews with George Lucas, Nathan Hamill, the son of Mark Hamill, talking about growing up a Star Wars fan when Luke Skywalker is actually your son, and our highly acclaimed interview with Julian Smirk, associate editor of The Force Awakens, a unique behind-the-scenes look at the production of one of the most successful films of all time. Our live comedy versions of the show are very popular, and we just recorded three reacting to Rogue One. You can get the Midnight Reaction Show up right now, and in the next two days we'll have our Sydney Live Reaction Show and our Brisbane Live Reaction Show. To keep up with the content, make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or if you're an iPad or iPhone user, you can download the free Steel Wars iPad iPhone app. There are so many great episodes for you to download, so delve in! at steelwars.com. Alrighty, we have got 604 on the line. Who are you and where would you be calling from? Is that me? That is you. Alright, my name is Graham and I'm calling from Canada. Nice. Always good to have a friendly Canadian on the line. Is there um, any other kind? I don't know if there is, actually. 
<laughs> they're all friendly. Oh, we're all pretty nice. Yeah. You, you've got the um, the, the kudos best case to Canada. Kudos to Canada for its uh, for its its charming and polite national character. Everybody makes a joke, but what a, I think it's not. I think it's a really admirable quality that you can always count on. I will take credit. Helpful. I can definitely <laughs> take credit for that. Yes. Thanks for doing your part. No problem. You are. Well, um, despite uh, some of that great Canadian charm with a riveting question for Anthony Bredniger. Well, it's a question for both of you. Um, I don't know if you've talked much about the soundtrack yet. Uh, not at all today, no. All right. Well, I loved it. Um, being the first one out, not done by Williams, I had my doubts going into it but uh, I was pleasantly surprised um, but my only issue with the movie was um, uh, one part with the soundtrack and it was when the two Star Destroyers smashed into one another um, I thought it was too happy there was too much jubilation with the music and I'm wondering if anyone else picked up on that or if you noticed that jubilation I can't say that that's the word I would have thought of but um, what, what, are you, what are you referring to which specific well when they first hit there's, there's two spots and um, when, so the, the hammerhead pushes them together and there's this kind of weird happy music um, and then it cuts away and then it cuts back to them crashing through the, the ring gate um, and it's, it's a, quite a bit more somber um, on the second shot. But on the first one, I just thought it was kind of weird. Maybe it was just me. I don't know. Uh, I, I have to admit, I haven't been able to even hear the soundtrack during that bit because it's just so thrilling to see those two Star Destroyers <laughs> cling together that I think the soundtrack is me just going, hee hee! Um, <laughs> it's such a, just a, a brilliant visual. So I did, mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've seen it twice so far and it was quite strange. The first, I guess maybe it's what I sort of focus on, but the, the second time I, like I, I was almost just, in my head going oh there's a soundtrack I hadn't heard it the first time because I was so like intensely staring at the screen but I yeah, uh, yeah so I, I cannot I know I know I had feelings of jubilation when the Star Destroyers hit each other so maybe uh, <laughs> it's just reflecting my mood maybe they've just tapped the actual feeling of the viewer perfectly well they have for me anyway yeah maybe um, what else? What was your um, what was a highlight of the film for you, Graham? Um, uh, uh, Red and Gold Leader, actually. That was um, I knew about Tarkin and I knew about Leia, and I I had heard rumors about a lot of the points of the film, but that was something that kind of came out of nowhere, and I just kind of was in shock to see that because I wasn't expecting it. But that was uh, I think. I mean, other than the obvious, you know, later at the end and the whole Tarkin thing, that the the two leaders was uh, a big thing for me seeing it. Yeah, that was one that I had not even heard a whisper of or even considered. Yeah. Like it's such a, mm -hmm. a brilliant idea. It is the next day, you know, essentially next week. So why not splice them yeah. in? But yeah. um, it, it's funny. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I, I never thought I was a big red and gold leader guy until <laughs> I don't they think came back. Was, yeah. In the cinema, and I was just like, "Yeah, gold, yeah. yeah, yeah." Much like when Mon Mothma in Return of the Jedi, up there with Crix Maydean, not not the most exciting characters in the world, but yeah. when she appeared in the trailer, I'm just like, "Yes, Mon Mothma, yeah. finally she's yeah. back." And it's like I didn't even know how much I missed her. Yeah. How did um? How did that go down at the premiere when the uh, the the, uh, the pilots made their uh, welcome re- returns, Anthony? Um, again, a sort of explosive reaction. It hit. People were cheering before I realized what they were cheering for. It kind of happened really quickly, and suddenly there's one. You know, I forget who's first, red leader or gold leader. <laughs> people were flipping out right away, and I think, uh, oh yeah, right, that's the shot from the original film. So it was kind of fun. Hey, Graham, do you have anything else for Anthony? Uh, no, that's it. All right, great, mate. I will put you back on hold. And, hey, Anthony, what do you know? There was a photo, uh, a behind-the-scenes photo, I believe, for a charity that Gareth Edwards was supporting with characters that look suspiciously like maybe like Porkins and Biggs. Do you know what happened to those characters in the film? If that was, I'm not aware. I'm not aware of this photo. Where was this photo? The internet. I'm I'm there. I don't know. It was sort of getting shared around before the film came out, and I think it was um, you know a few people maybe in wheelchairs that was photographed with some rebel pilots on Yarvin 4 and they look suspiciously um, Biggs and Hawkins-like. I'm pretty sure the Biggs one had the same helmet. Um, maybe someone in the chat can confirm that for me. Oh, Amanda says it was a video for a cert. Edward's niece suffers from the syndrome and she visited the set. Thank you, Amanda Ward. Oh. Yes, they, they posed with photos of the pilots and it was very, it was a, quite the coincidence. So I thought that would be one of the pilot cameos that we got. Um, they had very similar helmets, or the same helmets. And that, of course, would uh, then make the deleted scenes from Star Wars uncannot with Biggs on Tatooine. So I was a little bit sad about that happening, but we didn't even end up seeing them in the film. But you haven't seen that photo before? No, I haven't seen it, but I just looked it up while you were talking. I see what you mean. Yeah, it's sort of this yellow checkerboard pattern on his helmet that uh, one of the looks like an extra was wearing or holding an extra who looked a lot like Biggs. But uh, no, I uh, I hadn't seen that before, unfortunately, but it uh, sounds like he just got cut once again. Biggs, cut! <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I'm like I Matt that. Damon on the Matt Damon on the Jimmy Kimmel show. Just keeps getting cut. <laughs> I love these Star Wars traditions that we have to uh, hold on to. Uh, let's go to another call. It is seven one four. Who are you and where are you calling from? Hey, it's me, Amanda. I'm calling from California, as usual. Oh, hello. Hey, Amanda. Star Wars. We've got Amanda Ward. What's going on, Amanda? Oh, not much. I really want to get you guys' opinions, though, about something that I think people are kind of whining a lot about, and that is the, the title card for Rogue One. Um, I mean, I just see people crying about everything from the font to the music to the lack of a crawl. And I didn't have any problems with it. Did you guys, did you like it or hate it or were you indifferent to it? Steel, you want to go first? I, I am a semi-crier about it. I am <laughs> part of the crying. I'm, I'm in that side of the wall. I, I just thought, the, I just love the crawl. I love the tradition of sitting in there and I love the exhilaration, not so much seeing it, you know, the second time, but that first time I find that just watching those giant letters that is the hardest you've ever read anything before in your life. The first time you see that crawl, <laughs> you're desperately trying to take in all this information. It's, um, you know, it, it's familiar, but it's, it's like, I like that it's a familiar pattern of a long time ago, then the logo, then the crawl. But it, when those different words come up, it's such a, a like a unique thrill that we've only you know get to uh, enjoy seven times thus far. So I wouldn't have minded the crawl. I'm not I'm not like going to have my last battle about it. But I also spoke to quite a few people that you know outside of the fan bubble that just went and saw it. And actually, it, it took them a while. And and I know fans would scoff at this, but it did take them a while to work out where in the timeline the actual film took place. And and I think the title card thing just suffers because it's up against it's that versus something that we've been in love with for forty years. So it is very hard to uh to break that tradition and come out on top. Anthony, what is your crawl stance? Well, I think you make a good point there about people being confused still, that after all the reporting and all the talk about the film and where it's set, there were still a significant number of people that didn't really know what they were getting into or thought this was episode eight, <laughs> which I find uh, surprising, but okay. I guess people don't really follow things, but that's all right. I doubt anybody who's listening to us right now had this problem, but really, you have to believe me, there are people out there who went into this film thinking it was still set in the era of Ray and Finn, and it's not, clearly. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how you miss that, but then... I have been repeatedly baffled by people's uh, gullibility or lack of education. So uh, I can only assume that they had other things to think about and other things to do and weren't really up on this. But uh, putting a little bit of a crawl in to sort of orient people, I guess, could have worked. But that didn't bother me. The title card and the change in music, it did a little bit, I think, I did like that Star Wars fanfare, and that would have been nice to see um, or hear. Uh, the font didn't... It's different than the Star Wars font we normally get, so yeah, I can see why that 
irks people. It's sort of like changing a favorite family recipe, you know? You throw in a different spice and you might think, we'll try that out, but people don't really like it. They like the way it was before. So, uh, but it's nothing that I thought about for more than a minute. So I was okay. The, uh, the, yeah, the changing the family uh, recipe. I, I think it's maybe like it's the same recipe, but you don't get that garlic bread that you like to mop up mm. the spaghetti with. <laughs> Amanda, how did yeah. you feel about it? You know, I, I mean, Steele's absolutely right. It's totally valid that, you know, people were confused about the placement of the timeline of this, this story. But I guess I think from, uh, like, us fans, like, us that are following and are reading things and are up, like, I just didn't think, like, that... I thought we were prepared, I guess. We knew there wasn't really going to be a crawl. We knew it was going to be different. We heard, you know, people who saw it the first 20 minutes of the film tell us, you know, it's different. So I think we were prepared. Um, so I guess that's why I kind of don't understand people still griping about it. I think there's so much more to the film that's important to talk about. But... I appreciate the change. I totally get I get what you're saying about changing like a familiar recipe. Everything about this film was so fresh and so new. I thought that was another thing that was just like, you know, icing on the cupcake because it was like totally different than anything yeah. seen before. I, I loved yeah. it personally. I didn't I it certainly didn't hang me up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did like the um the the sudden moon appear. I, I Like, there's something, it's almost another way, this just occurred to me, actually, of George Lucas, you know, like the the first Star Wars films where you sort of entered the story mid-story, and the way that that moon sort of just flashed up, it was sort of like the the viewer sort of had to catch up to what was happening, the way it just goes, and then there's that moon there. And then that absolutely like beautiful all those shots of Krennic's shuttle going past the the rings of the planet i just uh-huh. I, I i i just found like that that the ring and that outpost planet just to be i don't know such like exciting new star wars places to visit amanda one of the other things that has been very controversial as far in, in typesetting news is the captions naming all the planets. How did you go with those? You know what? I dug it. You know, I mean, I guess it wasn't like my favorite thing about the film or anything, but I I kind of appreciated it. I didn't, I couldn't understand why it's not necessary. Obviously, those of us that watch all of these movies constantly can pay attention and follow along, but it did make me think back to watching the prequels in the theaters and being like, well, where is this and what's going on here? So I kind of, I appreciated it. I thought it was weird that it wasn't consistent. Like we didn't get one for um, what we assume is Mustafar in the film, but I didn't, I don't know. I didn't have problems with it. Yeah, well, the, the art of Star Wars book is very much confirmed that that is Mustafar. I want the fan edit of The Force Awakens with a caption telling us what that planet is that got blown up because that was one of the confusing things. Yeah. But the Johnny Lunchpail going to see The Force Awakens on his lunch break was uh, Coruscant blowing up. So let's get those captions all over Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't bother me. I liked the captions. It was nice to orient myself. Yeah. Even dates, too. Like you said, still, like, just a little bit in the beginning of the film to let us know, like, where it's placed. You can even put a date, you know, like, when this is happening. Yeah. they uh, Just, a, yeah, a, a title card saying, 
10 years before. I, I don't know. It's hard. It's it's hard because they don't want to break the, the bubble. Yeah. I think um, uh, my my argument against a crawl would be what do you need to put in the crawl to add context that we don't have? And I don't feel like the film really needs it. If you were going to do a crawl, it would be to explain what we see happen in that prologue when Jin is a child. Uh, but I feel it's necessary, except to orient people. And frankly, I just think, eh, you know what? Maybe you could read up a little bit about it. in one of our <laughs> – Listen to one of our many podcasts or read one of our many articles. <laughs> oh, Anthony, I thought you were about to give out the subscription details for Entertainment Weekly just then. I was just like... <laughs> Always helps to keep us, in, keep us in business and keep the lights on. I, I will say this, as someone that, that definitely got a bit whiny about not having a crawl in the lead up and saying, you know, with Anthony saying that with that, the prologue scene, you know, that essentially is the crawl. I will make, I will make this call. I, if choosing a crawl over Mendo saying, um, oh, look, she's risen from the dead. I will take Mendo's sarcastic comments any day. I, I thought that was just tremendous work. <laughs> really established some villainy in him, too. Yeah. Why do you think, yeah. Anthony, that they didn't um, tag Mustafa with a, uh, a caption? Because I think they were creating a little bit of mystery with who was in that Bacta tank. And I think if they had said Mustafa, you would have immediately expected Darth Vader instead of wondering if that's Mustafa. And... Uh, yeah, I and then you know the guy goes in and kneels, and then you reveal who's in there. I I just think that the way it worked out is just fine. It's a dramatic device, and I think that beats uh, going for uh, clarity in that moment. That is, you've done it again, Brez. That is <laughs> a perfect reason why they didn't tag it because we still didn't know who was in the Bacta tank, and it was. Mm -hmm quite a uh, hold your breath moment to see uh, who was going to be in there. And I do love <laughs> the butler that we were pondering about who it was. No one no one out of all the guesses, you know, it's it's Snoke, it's it's Palpatine, it's Darth Vader, it's it's Krennic. No one guessed it was the butler in the Bacta tank room with the hood. It was Star Wars Pluto and no one won that game. It was very sad. But um I, I love that guy. He's my he, he's he's my new uh, niche character that I'm into. Do you have any background information on Christopher uh, Butler? Uh, I, there is in Pablo Hidalgo's visual guide to the uh, Rogue One film. It has his name in there and everything. But uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. I can go get it and read it to you, but it's in the other room. Well, I, I do plan on making that my little Christmas present to myself. So I'm going to give well, myself the, the knowledge of knowing who Mustafa Butler is. I'm, I'm well, very talk excited. talk about yourselves for a minute. Let me just get it. It's 10 steps away. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas has come early, Amanda. We're going to find out Yay. who the butler is. I tell you one thing in that um, the, the visual guide that I just find adorable is the page with all Jin's childhood toys. Have you seen that, Amanda? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love that she named one after Has Obit. That was my favorite. 
<laughs> I like the IG88 one that's called Iggy. Well, doesn't that yeah. make you wonder who, when she encountered IG88? She must have crossed paths with him at some point, right? Well, I would assume that she crossed his path because you, I, I haven't seen him walk before. I, I would. I, that, <laughs> that is something I want to see. Like, if you're going to cameo a bounty hunter and um, make it exciting in the Han Solo film, IG-88 walking, you know, like like T-1000 style after someone, oh, that'd be so good. I would love to see that. Uh, have, you got, have you got a name there, Anthony? His name is Vanet. Two E's and a little uh, accent at the end. It says Vader's personal abode is an obsidian tower on an inhospitable world. It is by the Emperor's design that Vader lives in such an unforgiving environment. Vader's attendant, Vinay, visits Vader as he meditates within a rejuvenation chamber. The stark modern structure is built over an ancient castle full of dark secrets. Oh, they're the best type of castles. Yeah, but I like that the Emperor keeps him on Mustafar as a reminder of who he is. Oh, yeah. I want the deleted scene where Vader's like, Vanay, my rogue. Like, I, I want I want some Vanay, you know, like, like Batman and Alfred. I, I want, a, you know, I want to go into that relationship a little bit. Now, there is a character named Vinay who was uh, sort of a classic character, I guess. His name is is Cranblista Vinay, an imperial dignitary. So these must be, you know, some sort of a family connected to the dark side. Oh, so is that one of the Return of the Jedi dignitaries? Yes. Yeah, and oh. Blista Vinay. Wow. wow, one of the most Blist. expensive and useless vintage action figures of all time. Is he one of the most expensive? Yeah, he's like one of the last 17, and it's like, yeah, when you get him, it's just like, yeah, keep dignifying, do that. You can't hold a gun, lightsaber. What a disappointment. Amanda, do you want to hang out on the line? You know what? I should actually go. I've got little ones screaming at me, so I'll uh, let you guys get on to your business. Well, so thanks. For, thanks for calling, and uh, yeah. have a Merry Christmas with the fam, and uh, I look forward to more reactions to Rogue One on your podcast, Rebel Girl. Oh, yeah. It's out Friday. Check it out. <laughs> All right. Bye. All right. Thanks, All right, Hi. Thanks, Amanda. We've got a couple more calls. Let's go to 314. Who are you and where are you calling from? Hey, it's Eric from St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, Eric. Eric, how you doing, man? I'm great, man. How are you guys? I am great. so good. Eric does a lot of backstage things for the podcast, doing little highlight clips and whatnot. And let's see if you can ask a question that makes it into your own highlight clip. I think that's just going to happen because I want it to. Um, actually, uh, this, is a, this is a question for the Brez. I Was there anything in this movie or any of the, or like The Force Awakens or anything else that you were privy to going in that you wish you hadn't known about when you saw the movie, like you felt like it robbed you of an experience of seeing it in the cinema? I wish I didn't know about Leia. 
Yeah, that's the one I think. If I if I could have uh, done an eternal sunshine of the spotless mind and erase that bit from my head, that's the part I would have taken out. So how, how about much you? did you know about that? I knew that they were recreating her for the movie. Yeah. And um and uh, that she would appear in the final shot. I knew I guess I knew everything there was to know. <laughs> I didn't know if I knew everything. Uh but I turns out I did. <laughs> so um but I was still uh I thought that was a it's a cool bit of connective tissue, so um you know well done, but uh, I did. I did know that in advance, and I didn't tell anyone—not even my wife. I didn't say a word to anyone about it because I didn't want to spoil it for anyone else. I don't think of Tarkin in the same capacity because he was in the ads, and I think there's much more of an expectation that you would see him. Do you know what I mean? Like if you right, hadn't right. seen him, I think that would have been a huge misstep. So, uh, you know, the the fact that he was teased in the trailer and then. Uh, of course, you would expect him to be a part of the story. I think makes him less of a spoiler. But but Leia, I thought that was a nice surprise. So I, that's why I almost hesitate. I think when we write about this process of recreating these characters, I may not even mention Leia, just for all those people who will be watching it, you know, maybe for the first time on Blu-ray in a few months. Well, I don't know that being teased by the teased in the trailer necessarily means you should expect it in the movie after after everything that wasn't in there. But but, but no, I agree. Um, you, you I, I, I would have been very annoyed if I didn't get to see Grand Moff Tarkin's ears after it was sizzled in the trailer. That would have been a real letdown <laughs> for me. Just seeing a hint of woe, I was like, yes, I need that on the big screen now. You're right. I mean, you guys said it a few minutes ago that there were surprisingly a lot of people who didn't know where in the timeline this sat. I actually got a text message from my friend two days ago who was in the movie. He texted me during it. When is this? I don't get it. And it it was somebody who really surprised me. I'm like, this guy, I cannot believe he doesn't, doesn't understand where this is. So... So, yeah, I mean, holding off and waiting for people who are going to see it for the first time at home, it's, hopefully it'll come as a shock to them. It, I thought it was pretty well done. I mean, you know, it was a little pumpkin-y, but, uh, but it was neat. It was a neat payoff. Yeah, what, what do you make, Anthony? A lot of people that criticize those effects say, oh, they should have just kept their back to the, the, the camera, essentially. And I think if they had done that, there would have been more people annoyed at that. I just enjoyed it. I thought it was just amazing to have these characters back. Um, The way Tarkin integrated into the story was, I thought, perfect. Do you think having them not turn around would have been seen as a cop-out? Yeah, that would have been a cop-out. Like, like I think you could have had the whole... You could have had Leia, and you just see that door open, and you see her in white, you know, with her back to the camera. Um... Maybe you could have artistically gotten away with that, but not Tarkin. Not the not given the role he had in the movie. He had a big enough role that you had to see him. And what at what point do you think the like the effects team had it down? Like it is such a you know a giant leap of faith that they were going to get it right. How long ago do you think that they they had this effect? like ready to go because it is you know to film around the the hope that you're going to make this effect work is a big um risk 
Well, I don't think they ever have it ready. I think uh, visual effects people, it's sort of a matter of when does your deadline hit? Otherwise, they would just keep working on it indefinitely. So I think, you know, I think they probably kept tinkering with it right up until the end. Man, gutsy. Gutsy move. But I I applaud. I, I, I just, I think it was brilliant. I, I, I think the way they integrated him into the story was... Like really good. I I I stand and and slowly applaud. Now um, we are coming up at the top of the hour. We've got one more person in on hold, and we will get to them after we go into bonus time. Uh, Anthony, do you have much more uh, Star Wars stuff hitting ew.com before the end of the year? No, it's that's about it for now. It's you know. We put out everything we have to put out, and uh, I uh, did a piece this week sort of about the Rebels connection and Saw Gerrera's return to Rebels in animated form once again, with this time with Forrest Whitaker voicing him. And uh, and then it's sort of Christmas time and holiday time and Hanukkah time, so everybody should enjoy their company and enjoy their new Star Wars toys, and you know, then we'll be back in the new year, and it will be time to talk about Episode Eight. I'm going to enjoy talking about Van Van A and and what amazing adventures he's been up to around the lava pits of white. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that call-in show with the great man, the Brez, Anthony Bresnikan. And if you haven't already, make sure you check out episode 114 of the normal Steel Wars show for a really fun, in-depth conversation with Bresnikan about all things Star Wars journalism. Now, we have got two more live call-in shows coming up before the end of the year. And here's what I want to do. I want to get your Star Wars news predictions. I want you to go out on a limb and let's see who can get right the wildest prediction. Uh, We'll have to wait till next year's uh, end of year call-in show, but I need to see if we've got any Star Wars Nostradamuses out there. It can be an in-universe or out-of-universe prediction. George Lucas returns to make a TIE Fighter spin-off movie. Would be a huge prediction! Would be a huge prediction. If you got that right, you would probably win. But that's the sort of thing I'm after. I want to see who can predict an unexpected Star Wars story of next year. I think it'll be fun next year to go through all those and see if anyone got it right. And uh, we'll have some form of prize. We'll do a prize pack with tees and hats and who knows what merch I'll be creating in one year's time. The more unexpected, the better, but you do want it to come true. So let's see what you got. And we're going to be doing two separate shows based around this. We've got a UK-friendly time. Uh, London, Thursday the 29th of December, 9pm. That will be your time to call in. Just waiting on confirmation from our UK guest to see if he can join us. But that will be Friday the 30th of December in Melbourne, Australia at 8am. If you're on... 
the USA West Coast, Los Angeles and the like. That is Thursday the 29th at 1pm. And in New York, that is Thursday the 29th at 4pm. So that will be a super fun one. And then our second call-in show, our last one for the year, and it will be based also around predictions... For Australia, that is New Year's Eve on Australian uh, East Coast Daylight Savings Time, Melbourne and Sydney. That is Saturday, the 31st of December at 1pm. In LA and California, that is Friday, the 30th of December at 6pm. New York, Friday, the 30th at 9pm. And UK, that is Saturday, the 31st at 2am. So maybe in the UK you're staying up that night to prepare for your late night the next day. You're changing your sleep cycle in preparation of New Year's Eve. That's some pretty hardcore action. Also, you can email your predictions. If you won't be able to call in, email predictions at steelwars.com and we'll get through all those and read them out. Uh, We'll have someone track all these predictions, mark them down, and then next year we'll have a special show where we, uh, we review them and see if we can find a winner. I think it will be super fun. Hopefully, you guys can join in and have some fun with it. Be a part of the Steel Wars call-in show. Of course, if you were a Steel Wars supporter, you would still be listening to myself and Anthony Bresnikan talking Star Wars. We do about uh, 25 minutes in the bonus section. Uh, We talk about did the... Battlefront DLC reveal Rogue One's original ending. Should old Ben Kenobi leave Tatooine in an Obi-Wan standalone? The Brez has some very compelling arguments about that. Uh, What are the odds Ben Kenobi is a grandpa? Um, Will Luke igniting the green be more exciting than Vader igniting the red? We talk about how The Force Awakens maybe should have ended and Bresnikan weighs in on the odds that Harrison Ford will make a cameo in the Han Solo film in a flash-forward type scenario. Uh, the Steel Wars supporter page, it is $3 Australian, which is about $2.25 American. You get all the extended versions of the call-in show. You get the complete archive of all the full-length Steel Wars interviews, and you get exclusive shows like the Making Steel Wars show that I've just started with Jason Ward, uh, listener Q&As. Uh, we've got the Star Wars comedy commentary. We recorded a commentary before a live audience with uh, some of my comedian friends. It was super fun. And we've got a few more of those to put up this month. The the page is going crazy with content in December, so it is a good time to sign up if you need some extra listening. And hey, apart from all the bonus content, it's a great way to keep your little podcast Steel Wars going each and every week. We have the Steel Wars episodes every week and then the call-in shows every week, sometimes multiple. So it would be great for you to show some support. It's just a couple bucks a month and I try to make it more than worth your value. If you are unable to support financially, that's cool, but you can support in other ways. Get on iTunes, write a sweet five-star review and uh, that will bump us up the rankings and make me feel warm inside. 
And you can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Steel Wars and retweeting our episode announcements or even vouching for us on your own Twitter feed or Facebook. That's how we get new listeners. It's all about word of mouth, guys. So uh, if you want the show to continue to thrive in 2017, be a part of it and uh, help spread the word by potting it forward. And keep your eye on the Steel Wars feed because we've got still so much more content to share with you guys before the end of the year. If you've got an iPhone or iPad, get the little app that's free on the iTunes store. But uh, just make sure that you're not... Sometimes if you don't refresh your podcatcher, whether it's iTunes or whatever, sometimes if I upload two in one day, you might miss the uh, the first one because when it, they generally just download the next newest one. So make sure you have not missed a second of this sweet, sweet content. Of course, we are part of the Making Star Wars podcast network. Um, everyone in the network is pumping out their Rogue One reactions right now. Cantina cast, uh, Rebel Girl, uh, Rogue One, a podcast for wieners. They're all doing it. I'm currently midway through the new episode of Now This Is Podcasting, the flagship show. And it's another ripper. So head over to makingstarwars.net and check out what the squad is up to. If you want some seriously not safe for work Christmas laughs, check out my other podcast, I Love Gringo Letters. We did a salacious Christmas live special that went up and that is definitely not one for sensitive ears you can get that at I Love Green Guide Letters hope to have you take part in our prediction episodes remember you can email your predictions if you can't call in to prediction at Steel Wars and you can check all the times for all the upcoming episodes at steelwars.com thank you guys so much may that force be with you Snoke theory sucks. Still in awe of the immeasurable power of Mendo. Or when it comes to Luke Skywalker, do you think, have you seen him? If so, you are the perfect demographic to check out the Steel Wars merch store at SteelWars.com. We've got Mendo tees, your Snoke theory sucks tees, have you seen him tees, and also sweet, sweet stickers of the same. Check it out at SteelWars.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.